Welcome to the podcast of Leeds First Methodist Church. We are so glad you decided to tune in with us today. The following sermon was preached by Pastor Chris, and it is the last sermon in our church's So Long Sin series. If you would like to watch the entire worship service, you can do so by visiting our website at leadsfirst.org, and at the top of the page, go to Worship and click Online Worship. Well, my name is Chris Stallings. It's my privilege to get to be pastor here at Leeds First Methodist Church. We've reached the finale of our series, So Long Sin, that we've covered in the month of July. There's no doubt that our lives are filled with some level of temptation as we journey, even sometimes failed expectation. But we've talked about that's not God's desire, and it doesn't have to be your reality. In fact, you can win over sin as a follower of Christ, and even avoid sin's eternal consequences. And so we've had this verse of the series from Romans 6, verse 13, and it's guided us. It says, do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Today we celebrate our finale. So long, sin. Take your godly purpose. Hey, can I get y'all to hand me my bottle of water? Thank you. I got so excited with all the kids' excitement, I forgot my water bottle. Whoa. Did you or do you have a hero when you were growing up? Anybody? You have a hero? You think of who it was? All right, let's play. On the count of three, let's all say who our favorite hero was. One, two, three. I can hardly hear what y'all say, but I'm sure somebody said something that was impactful. When I was growing up, in the southeast United States in the 80s and 90s, like many of my peers, my heroes were often athletes. Did anybody say an athlete? Right? So, Dale Murphy. Anybody remember Dale Murphy? We got some old school Braves fans when they used to be on TBS every day, right, instead of 14 different stations. And he was the home run hitter even when they weren't very good. Bo Jackson. A running back, a speedster on my dad's favorite college football team. And then, in 1981, when basketball was invented for Auburn University and Charles Barkley arrived, Charles Barkley was one of my heroes. In fact, following him, and now that Auburn had basketball for the first time, (laughs) I began to make... Being a basketball star at the amateur, Olympic, and professional level, my goal. And I would watch anytime I could. In fact, there was one spring break we went on a trip, and my parents specifically drove out of the way through Auburn on the way back so that we could say farewell or welcome home to the basketball team when they were coming from their first ever NCAA appearance. And so we stood in line, and as they were coming off the bus, I had my program there. And whatever you had back then, probably like a pencil, I don't know. And I got Charles Barkley's signature. And it was an inspiration to me. And it inspired me to, well, 
I never achieved my basketball goals. But it's ironic, too, that Charles Barkley would later go on to say, even though he was a phenomenal basketball player, even though he does good in the community, he says, I am not your role model. Everybody kind of looked at him strangely. Well, Merriam-Webster defines hero, kind of role model or hero, several ways. One is a person admired for achievements and noble qualities. Another definition is one who shows great courage. The third definition is a figure often of divine descent endowed with great strength or ability. For kids like us growing up, maybe it was a teacher, a parent, a coach, or a athlete. For teenagers, as we grew or as you grow up, you might add to that social influences or even actors. And to adults, you might add to some of your list of heroes, business or political leaders. If you search Google, or at least the one I searched, top 10 heroes, it listed all actors. I thought that was a, a kind of ironic, right? Because the things for which we admire them, they're like, woo, look at this. It's 100% fake, right? So they're just acting, yet we still make them our heroes. I've heard this as advice, and I've shared it with others. If you want to get somewhere, find someone who has been there or is there, and then go learn from them. And that's sort of what we do with our heroes. If you find or want to find your way with having harmony in your finances, go find somebody who's managed money well and go talk with them. What'd you do? How'd you save? How'd you earn? How'd you spend? Not just someone who can spend and acquire debt well, right? If you want to have bliss in your personal relationships, go find someone who has, as a couple, endured decades of the highs and lows of relationship. Not necessarily someone that's just really good at getting dates. A proper hero can provide inspiration to our character, to our skills, to our success. A kind of target at which we aim our life to shape our purpose in life. So what is a hero and what kind of impact should a hero have? <coughs> now to Scripture to find a bit of that answer. We're going to look to Romans chapter 8 in just a moment. So if you've got a Bible, I invite you to open it to Romans chapter 8 in the New Testament. If you've got your Bible app, we're going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. If you clicked on the link, the scripture is in your online worship guide. Romans 8, as we've looked at this through the series, is unveiling God's righteousness and specifically how it's imparted to those who are in Christ or those who follow Christ or those who are indwelled by God's Spirit and are children of God. And in this passage that we'll look at in just a moment, we get to kind of answer to the existential question of what's good and bad, or what's good and evil, or how those originate, or what is their source, and namely how we can have a righteous hero. 
So we're going to read through Romans 8, beginning in verse 26. Got several verses here. I invite you to follow along. The words should also be on the screen above the stage. Romans 8, 26. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays with us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him, and having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him for us, won't he also give us everything? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Verse 35, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity, or persecuted, or hungry, or destitute, or in danger, or threatened even with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day, we are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. And we say, thanks be to God. Well, in verse 28, we receive or hear a very comforting message as well as one that's key to understanding this passage. It gets to that fundamental question of good and evil. And Paul provides us the answer here, at least in the terms of from where good originates. God. All good originates with God. For whom? All those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So in that verse, there's some key words I think are helpful to us. What does it mean to be good? Good is a translation from the original New Testament Greek word, agathos, which means performing the expected function. Performing 
the expected function. When something does what it's supposed to do, it's doing good. And that's what God defines as good for you when you operate or live as God designed you to live. Called comes from the Greek word kletos, and it means an urgent or urgently invited. Not just like, well, when you get around to following God, but an urgent invitation, come on, it's time. Don't wait any longer. Be a part of God's purpose for your life. And the third term there is, in fact, purpose. It comes from the Greek word protheos, or protheus, in that which is planned in advance. In other words, God had some good for you to do in the plan whenever he made you. That's why you exist, to love God and to live according to the plan God has for your life. That plan is to be fully aligned with God's presence and with his purpose for you. You see, sin draws us to evil, away from God, and God's purpose draws us to the good for which he made us. Let's look at this passage in a bit more depth, at how we might know that good and live it in our life. If you've got a worship bulletin, I invite you to take it out or follow along with these points in your online worship guide that they may be helpful to you as you apply them to your life. Number one, purpose to become like Jesus. Purpose to become like Jesus. Verse 29 says, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Become like Jesus. Are there any golfers in the house? Nobody else admit it? Any other? Anybody ever tried golf, even putt, putt, golf? Yeah, there we go. We're going to feel each other in this story, right? I used to play some golf. I was working in business. It was like, shoot, yeah. And we lived next to, uh, not next to, but close to one that had a twilight rate. I'd play some golf. And if you know golf, you hit a little ball into a little hole, and the goal is to do that in as few as swings or strokes as possible. And a typical golf course has 72 as the goal, like 72 swings to get them in all 18 holes. Well, I set a goal as I was developing as a golfer to not have more than two strokes over that per hole. So if it was par four, I'd try to do in six. And that set me at a goal of about 100. And if I was under 100, I was like, oh, that's pretty good for me, you know. Well, I didn't ever do that very often. There's a lot of times, because if you don't hit it just right, like you'll mean for this, even if you're aiming at the right hole, it'll go off to the side. Anybody got any slice in them? Yeah, or hook in them? Or even just hit the ground and not even hit the ball? Right? So there's more, no, not more times, but several times that I lost my ball completely in the woods or the water. Anybody? The worst of it was when I was aiming for this, you know, right, lined up perfectly, and I hit it, and boy, was it off. Way off. 
In fact, we were like, where'd it go? And when we finally caught it or saw it going in the air, it was headed across to the next hole. In fact, it landed closer to the flag on that hole than it did on the one I was aiming at. That and the fact that uh, my daughter was born, I decided I would forego my continued professional career in golf and spend time with my family, as they would say. Needless to say, I only reached the rank of mediocre golfer. Too many of you are living your life aiming at the wrong thing. Oh, yeah, and shooting at the wrong hole, even. You've made a hero out of an athlete or out of a business leader or out of a politician or out of something other than Jesus, and you keep swinging and you keep losing the ball of life, not hitting the target. And you're striving to accomplish your, if I could just swing harder. If I can just hunt down the lost ball, if I can just get in the water and get it out, I'll be good. And the whole time you're aiming at the wrong hole. And it's taking you away from the purpose for which God created you. That's the link to doing good is that you aim at or have the right hero in your life. That is the person of Jesus Christ. This verse says, the goal in God's creating you is to make you or for you to become like Jesus. And so you've got to turn your sights off of that wrong thing. Charles Barkley was right, I'm not your role model. And put it on the right role model, following Jesus. And so if you've been distracted, aiming at the wrong target, I invite you today to make Jesus the target of your life. And then give up those distractions like too much career or too much media or too much politics or too much athletics. And invest more and more of your being into knowing Jesus, into mimicking his ways, into following Jesus. Purpose, number one, to become like Jesus. Number two, purpose with God's authority. Purpose with God's authority. Verse 31 says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Paul, having concluded this argument of God's righteousness in those who are in Christ, Paul gives us a a comforting assurance, an amazing assurance as a follower of Jesus. God is for you no matter what anybody else says. In fact, no one can stand against you. In a kind of rhetorical question, he says, who can be against you? And the answer is from God himself. In verse 32, no one, because God gave everything for you. All loving, all powerful God gave his son to die for you that you might be saved. What would God forego in accomplishing his good in you? Therefore, if you're following Jesus, you have God's authority. You are authorized 
to do good. You are empowered to do good. Today, there are too many of us, maybe even you, trying to live a life that's authorized by something other than God. Calling sin good. Wrongly reasoning, well, if we love everyone, how can we call anything someone does sin? Or calling evil acceptable. Thinking that in error, the end justifies the means. Wrongfully endorsing a leader just to get the power we want. As Martin Luther King Jr. said, the time is always right to do what is right. You only live into God's purpose when you live under God's authority. But if you live under God's authority and you follow God's command, you are authorized to do the good God has created you to do. And if you find yourself working against the authority of God, against what God has called good or for what God has called bad, Take today, take this moment right now to repent, to turn. Don't walk, run to God. Receive his forgiveness, make restitution, and continue to believe in Jesus. Number two, purpose with God's authority. Number three, purpose for God's victory. Purpose for God's victory. Verse 37, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. The truth of this life is that even when you're perfectly following God's purpose for your life, you will face persecution. You'll face hardship. Would you ever expect to go onto an athletic field for the season and have every opponent just forfeit? You win, you win, you win. No, and that's the case with the devil. The devil will fight you. He will fight us even when we're living perfectly in God's purpose, maybe even, in fact, more so in those times. So when you worship, the devil will oppose you. When you pray, the devil will oppose you. When you journey with others growing closer to them and closer to God, the devil will oppose you. When you serve to advance God's mission through his church, the devil will oppose you. When you reach out to share the truth of the gospel and good news of Jesus' love and salvation, the devil will oppose you. Anybody get in the feel of this? Right? So when you're living in God's purpose, know the devil's coming for you. Paul says, expect that. But know, in a foreshadowing of the future, overwhelming victory is yours through Jesus. Anybody remember the mercy rule from youth baseball? The run rule? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Mercy rule. So if you're ahead by 10 runs after a certain inning, they call off the game like there's no competition. If you're a soccer fan, I think it's 10 goals at halftime. I don't know if they have that in all the sports, but y'all know the mercy rule. In other words, there's no competition. We got to call it off. It's fun to win by the mercy rule, isn't it? 
We scored so many they had to cancel the game and have mercy on the other team. N.T. Wright states, of this verse, in all these things we are more than conquerors. In other words, we're not only able to win a victory over these enemies, we're able to see them off the field completely, right? So in the end, the devil doesn't even stand a chance. You're going to fight, there's going to be a battle in this age, you're fully pursuing God's purpose, don't look at hardship as a well, maybe I shouldn't go to church this morning. Stand, endure, but in the end, overwhelming victory is yours. If you make Jesus the target or hero of your life, if you live under the authority of God in your life, if you live out the purpose of God in your life, overwhelming victory is promised. The very presence glorified with God is yours. Removed from all evil. The devil doesn't stand a chance. And so, as we wrap up this series, saying so long sin, taking your godly purpose, next week we'll begin a new series where you can, in, or you are invited, rather, to journey on your path to purpose. We're through the month of August, we'll talk about the paths of being engaged in that purpose fully. Not just having your toe in the water, but getting all in or even helping others to do that. The first week, we'll talk about worship and that path in our discipleship or following Jesus. The second week, we'll talk about our grow groups or being connected with others, growing closer to God and closer to each other. The third week, we'll talk about our serve teams are serving to advance God's mission through his church. In the fourth week, we'll talk about reaching out, the purpose of illustrating God's love to others. I invite you to be a part of each week. Be here in person or watch it online and then take the on-ramps to those paths as we go through and be a part of or continue to be a part of your purpose that God has created for you. Godly purpose for God's victory in your life. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the blessing of Jesus and thank you that we can have a perfect hero, a resurrected hero, a savior, a friend. God, I pray you would give us confidence to follow Jesus fully. God, I pray that you would help us to lean into the authority, your authority, and God, run back to you if we have foregone that or given that up. And God, as the, the battle commences in this age and this life, give us the strength, give us the assurance, the promise of overwhelming victory in Jesus. Pray all this is powerful, is holy, in his resurrected name. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We would love for you to visit us in person at 8.45 a.m. for modern worship or at 11 a.m. for traditional worship. If you would like to plan a visit, simply text the word CONNECT to the number 205-772-4906 and you'll be sent a link to get you started. Thanks again, and God bless.